0: Today I'm really excited for our podcast. We're going to talk about women's retail, we're going to talk about the challenges facing retail today, and we're going to talk about should I be online, shouldn't I be online, how am I going to overcome these challenges in 2020. My guest today is Margot Kopman with Project Retail. Project Retail is a boutique uh, consulting firm focused on independent retail. Margot, welcome. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: <laughs> it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Tell us about your journey and how you got to, you know, be this, this retail guru with Project Retail.
1: Uh, so I started my journey in early 2000 when I was a young, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed woman <laughs> right out of college wanting to open a retail store. Um, and fast forward about four years into it, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't making any money. <laughs> and so I wound up finding someone that could help me with the science part of retail. And it changed my life pretty much overnight. Um, so as I was going through the process, what I realized was was, wow, there, there is so much to this. It's not expensive and you no longer feel alone. And I decided to sell my store so I could focus on consulting and helping other store owners like myself live their dream.
0: And so your transition from retail to, to that retail coach world that you're in today came from where? You, you were tired in retail or you felt like you'd be you know, better served looking after retailers?
1: Um, you know, I feel like what really happened was an aha moment of realizing that my strength and really my future was in the consulting. I wasn't necessarily tired of retail if I had, you know, to do it all over again. And if I could have, I would have probably tried to do both, um, which I did in the beginning, but you know, it's really hard to do two things and really well. Yeah so i really realized you know what my future was going to look like wasn't necessarily owning the retail store and operating it on a daily basis it was coaching other retailers to do just that
0: okay so so tell me a little bit about project retail tell us tell us the who the what the where the why
1: um so project retail was created um let's see, about eight years ago, I've been consulting for almost 12. Um, And what I realized was, was there was a need for support and coaching for other consultants. And so as I was building my consulting practice with other retailers, I was being approached by other people that were looking to sort of shift their careers and wanting to get into the consulting business so i thought oh well there was an opportunity possibly to while growing consult and consulting retailers we could also you know really actually coach and consult other consultants on you know how to be great at what they do um my why which as you know dan is a big question mark and something you and i talk about on a regular basis and I kept looking at the sheet and I was like, Hmm, am I going to answer this wrong? (laughs) Um, you know, I, my ultimate goal is really just to give back. Um, You know, so many entrepreneurs live in their own little bubble. Um, Same thing, whether you're a retail store owner or you are a consultant slash coach and, you know, The goal is that we're all trying to build something, live our dreams, um, and it can be lonely and isolating, but it's really an amazing, you know, gig. I don't like to call it a job because I don't really feel that it is. Um, So the goal is is basically to, you know, help people really realize what they can do for themselves, for their business, for their communities um and i would like to do the same
0: for them so if i if i'm hearing you right your your why is is almost to be that ally for that lonely retailer today to help them through their challenges is that is that accurate yes is it sir. Close? yeah yeah right on right on um so so tell me about your clientele what what kind of clients do you work with
1: so i live in a world pretty much of women's retail, um, anywhere from fast fashion to middle of the road, contemporary, um, all the way up to high end designer. Um, it's really where uh, it's my most favorite. I mean, when, you know, I opened my store, the goal was, was to be sort of that place where women loved to shop because it felt like they were at their best friend's house. So I kind of live in that world. Um, I think we can all kind, we can, as coaches, we can coach any retail, big or small, that's independent. But my my sweet spot really is the women's contemporary world of retail.
0: Okay. And so the where, I, I mean, you're in LA, but that's not really where your client base is.
1: Nope, my clients are all over most of my business is on the East Coast um with some trickling in middle America, but i I have very few clients on the West Coast. I moved here for the Sunshine and palm trees
0: <laughs> Sunshine and palm trees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not moving to Edmonton put it
0: that way. You don't really want to be in Edmonton today. I'm not sure you want to be anywhere in you know, the middle <laughs> part of the continent today, it seems like everybody got a bit of snow and it's uh, it's it's a tad on the chilly side. So I'd kind of like yeah. to be an LA girl today myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about, so women's retail, you know, what's changing in women's retail today from, you know, that 12 or, or 10 or 12 years ago when you were a retailer, what's changing? Well,
1: certainly technology, um, You know, as we all know, you know, we have the World Wide Web. Um, I think the biggest change today is with that is creating the experience, the in-store experience that essentially works with the technology, a.k.a. their website and their branding. But it's really, really mostly about keeping up with, an experience in store that is changing and is really touchy feely and developed to make these customers, you know, her comfortable. Um, and, you know, wanting to be there, not only just to necessarily shop, but to say hello to a friend that may very well be their, you know, salesperson. Um, it's really about that experience. So if we're not keeping up with that, um, we can really no longer expect the spaghetti method to work where you you just buy a bunch of stuff and you throw it on the walls and, oh, they're gonna come shop.
0: The spaghetti Um, method. I don't know if I've heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) Toss it on the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, toss
1: it up there. Oh yeah, that's cute. That's cute. I think we could sell that. It sounds like a good
0: idea. Okay. So um, you, you talked about technology, but then we really went to in store. So is technology in your world about being on the interweb, which I kind of feel like it's here to stay for a while, at least, anyways? You know, do you think yeah. that's about them being online, or is it, you know, in, in, in sort of industry speak, is that, is that omni channel, or is it, you know, the online? experience does it need to mirror the in-store experience
1: um i i love that word omni-channel um it was actually introduced to me by a client um that has 10 stores um that when we first started working together had four stores and he's a millennial and he kept saying "In the omni-channel 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 and so that's really the perfect word i believe that it's really more about the in-store experience um, having the website, your Instagram, all your social things really mirroring what that experience is because what what I find is that you know most women that are shopping, they aren't shopping online meaning clicking the cart and checking out right they're going to shop to see what it looks like who are the What are the brands they're carrying and all of those things so they can kind of get an idea of what it's going to feel like once They're inside. Okay, so again Yeah, it all goes back to that feeling
0: right? Okay, so I just want to make sure that you know you and I aren't going to disagree on this (laughs) Do do women's contemporary retailers do these do these retailers that you work with do they need to have e-commerce? strategies
1: Um, if they have a lot of money, you know, by all means,
0: (laughs) how many, how many of these independent women's retailers do you know that have a lot of money that are making a lot of money? I mean,
1: yeah, good, good question. I mean, I think, you know, it it depends, it depends on the size. Um, it also depends on what their expenses are. You know, if they've got low expenses, they obviously can spend a little money on trying to go online. Um, I would say out of the thirty stores that I work with, I'd say two of them, three of them actually have well working and breaking even e-commerce businesses. And breaking even, they are not they are right. not making you know they're not swimming in the cash from that
0: from the online business. Yeah, right.
1: But in in regards to the omni-channel. Um, one of, one which of my sorry, clients, just a
0: minute. I just, what does omni-channel actually mean?
1: Well, that's a great question. So, you've got your e-commerce customer, you've got your brick-and-mortar customer, and then you've got an omni-channel customer, which means they float between the two. Okay. And interestingly enough, one of my clients, the one that has the ten stores, they have built a website business that essentially, and have worked very, very, very hard at it over the last, you know, six or seven years, and essentially now what we're measuring is, is what the lifetime value is of the omni-channel customer, the e-commerce customer separately, and the brick-and-mortar customer customer separately. The omni-channel customer has a lifetime value that's almost double from the e-commerce as you know just a standalone right. customer that only shop online and you know the brick and mortar that only shops in the brick and mortar so that that was an, it was very eye-opening to me where you know once you can implement and put those types of things together albeit it costs as you know you have to invest in it right mm-hmm. um, that omni-channel experience is actually very 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 powerful I believe that it can come in different ways when you don't have a lot of money, right, to invest in it. So, you know, how do you bridge the gap between what your social media, you know, says and is doing with your brick and mortar actual experience and then combining that sort of omni-channel while you're in store, right? Whether it's, you know, you can check out on an iPad or, you know, just random technology things to make the shopping and i'm air quoting you know easier
0: i gotcha okay so do you feel like there's one social media channel that has more success for your retailers you know than another
1: i feel i do think that instagram is still very powerful um I understand that, you know, because Instagram is obviously owned by Facebook, you know, when you can actually sell from Instagram, you know, that directs you to Facebook. So, you know, at that point, you know, or your website, you know, so at that point, what's the difference? But actually the face of Instagram and the way that it's laid out and how you can use it, I believe it's I believe it's the most powerful.
0: And that that platform is better you know, for the retailer or for the consumer, pardon me, the the interface or the platform is better on Instagram. And so, you know, are you pushing your retailers to spend more time and energy, you know, on their Instagram accounts?
1: Not necessarily. I think, you know, it's more about keeping up with information you know, every every day, obviously, but I wouldn't say that we need to get into overkill, you know, so some some, you know, clients are like, Well, you know, I only think I need to do this once a week and I'm thinking, Well, imagine this is interesting. I don't know if it was you or if it was some one of, you know, our other colleagues. You know, imagine if you get a thousand emails in a month, right? So if you only send one a week as a retailer then why would anyone ever open it? Because you just, it's just like delete, 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 delete in the morning. Right. Or, you know, for those people who like to have inboxes with 12,000 unread messages, you know, you just kind of leave it there. So I feel the same way in regards to socializing online because what's really interesting to me, because I'm not really a socializer online, Is that that is exactly what you're doing, right? So the socializing online is very necessary. So where we used to live in the world of just posting photos and they were static, now those stories I believe are really, really, really powerful. And they're coming to life now. Yeah, because it's in real time and you know, people are talking and you know, you can get an idea of what the vibe is and all of that kind of stuff.
0: Hmm, Okay. And so, you know, fast forward through this quarter let's get through this quarter Um, you know what do you think is going to be your your clients or the independent retailers greatest challenge to overcome or greatest opportunity to address in 2020?
1: I mean that's the million dollar question
0: Dan. All right this is why you get paid the big bucks I mean what what three things should that independent retailer be focused on in Q1 of 2020?
1: Um, Inventory, inventory, inventory. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the faster they get out of the previous season's inventory and get in the new at the top of the season, a.k.a. mid-January, end of January, the better. Um, You want to stay ahead of it. I think that the going back to the experience, you know, once you have your inventory and all of that sort of laid out and you know, it's coming, all of that kind of stuff. I think the experience, whether it's events, whether it's lookbooks, whether it's trunk shows, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, I think that the other opportunity, hmm.
0: Okay, so just a minute. So to get out of inventory before mm-hmm. the top of the season, so the top of the season, the top of the spring season, you feel like is going to be in that end of January. Inventory is going to start landing in our stores. Yes. When do I need to start getting out of inventory?
1: day after Christmas.
0: The day after. Boxing Day in Canada. What's it called in L.A.? The day after Christmas.
1: You know, I don't know if they have a word for it. I like <laughs> Boxing Day.
0: It's boxing you know, day here hear, in Canada.
1: <laughs> right. I hear I you know what I hear from my from a lot of my stores, it's the day of returns. And right. I'm like, you know, the net returns are really not nearly as significant as actually net the, sales. the net sale, you know, the gross sales after, you know, you you basically, you know, announce that end of season sale. I mean, they've got money, you know. They, right. They've they've
0: they're ready to go. Right. And so for this retailer that, you know, gets to Boxing Day or the day after Christmas and they say, OK, I've got to start getting out of inventory. How do they do that? I mean, they're not really throwing a lookbook together or a, or a post-Christmas party, are they? No.
1: Okay. Well, actually, a, post, a post-Christmas party might actually be a great idea.
0: Yeah, but that's only because you and I that. like parties so much. But for the retailer, <laughs> yeah. haven't they just come off of a season of throwing events and parties and hosting, yeah. you know, trying to get their holiday in, trying to get that fourth quarter in? Are they yeah. tired? Have they had enough? They're tired. Yeah.
1: They're exhausted, yes. Yeah. So, so what what basically oh. I'm coaching people to do now, so here's the deal. The the in my in my professional experience playing offense is -hmm. And so, a lot of times, our retailers play defense because we have to react quickly to something that might, may or may not be in our favor. Right. Sometimes it is an opportunity. Sometimes it is potentially like, oh, I can't curse. Oh, you know what? You know, I don't. I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these, you know, faux fur jackets that are hanging here on this rack. So, I mean, do they pack? Do they pack
0: them up and put them away and bring them out next winter?
1: Please don't say that out loud.
0: <laughs> it's a people. it's it's a slash and burn kind of idea. I mean, get as much cash yes. out of that inventory as you can right now, because there yes. won't be and demand if, for that old inventory a year from now.
1: Right. And if if along the way, so think about it. Right now, basically, most of these most of our clients can see what's sitting there that's going to wind up going to end of season. So if they're keeping up with that now and taking the maintenance markdown, essentially that end of season sale, you know, can really, the the markdown, you know, the higher markdown can hopefully be mitigated by keeping up with the markdowns along the way. So what's a maintenance
0: markdown? Give me an example of a maintenance markdown.
1: So if you've got merchandise that you've received, mm, you know, depending on, you know, what type of women's store you are, So let's just say
0: I'm Ladies Contemporary.
1: Right. 60 days. 60 right? days I
0: Six. should be taking a maintenance markdown.
1: Yes. Is that and, 5%? Mm, no, that's at least 30%. 30. In some case, in some cases I suggest pricing to sell because right. if if you know along the way, It fit funky. The vendor wouldn't work with you. The color was weird. You know, you can also sort of see the major misses, you know, where it's not a onesie or a twosie left, you know, but a full size run. You can see that that's not going to really move within the first 30 days of actually owning it on your floor. Right. Um, You know, so if you're keeping up with those maintenance markdowns on the merchandise as as it arrives every 60 days, in hopes to essentially, you know, reduce the markdown, the huge hit that you take, you know, starting December 26th. That's the goal. So right now we've got that opportunity because it's the holidays. Everybody's throwing parties here in, you know, the U.S. We've got, you know, Thanksgiving on, you know, the 28th, I think. Yeah, late this year, Um, you know, which is also making November very interesting and how to really kind of Put together the plan for the holidays because we only have three weeks in between the thanksgiving holiday up until christmas right. which is a very short period of time so right now like turn and burn if we've got to do something about things that have poor sell-throughs let's make it happen as soon as possible so when you know the holidays hit it's not dragging us down because really it's just drags us down, right? It goes back to the experience. Our customers don't want to see the same stuff every 60 days in our store. Right. They just don't. Right.
0: And they so are you, f- the are you finding that because, you know, Thanksgiving is so late in November this year that, that retailers are kind of stutter-stepping through November? I mean, they're coming off of October, which is probably their worst cash flow month, you know.
1: Yep. Yep. in
0: this half of it the is, year for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of 50-50. The, the retailers that don't give, and forgive me to all my beautiful clients out there are <laughs> saying this, but the retailers that count on Black Friday and basically the last 10 mm-hmm. days of the month, every single year, are the retailers that are struggling right now right in the first you know 13 days 12 days of the month for the ones that are really playing offense and know that there's obviously a big push at the end of the the month right those are the ones that are are actually coming out ahead which in turn could make The actual season if you combine you know the last two months of the year together it could be much greater
0: is it better for a retailer to combine months or should they be looking at you know november 1st to november 30th
1: um i would i combine do not ever combine them ever 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 in this particular case i am finding that i am doing that and showing both scenarios because a lot of my clients actually 35 to 45 percent of their business historically, and I'm not a last year versus this year type of gal, mm. but historically, just in pattern, right? The last 10 days of the business of the month, so the 20th to the 30th of November, makes up 35 to 45 percent of their sales for the entire month. Right, so but that's not far
0: that. off the metric. I mean, the the last 10 days of the month is really 33 percent. So it's not super heavily weighted, but I I mean, I I get that it's weighted that way.
1: Yeah. So if you think about it, right, we only have one day, two days, the 29th and 30th of November. Right. So the pattern of shopping, right, the people's shopping pattern, they do actually hit the stores that week right after thanksgiving and then the week after that is when it there's a lull and then there's another huge push so so
0: shouldn't we be looking at november like it has 40 days or 37 days for for a retailer and ignoring the fact that it's the 30th of the month
1: exactly
0: okay but so then doesn't that mean that i should be able to combine you know part of that season that is november ish november to december kind of thing
1: Yes. This okay. this year, this year. two thousand nineteen we we are we are doing that. We're
0: being forced to because of whoever created the calendar. Yep. Right. And
1: the goal is, you know, the goal is really is if you can trend, you know, high in the first three weeks of the month. I mean, it's, you know, November of this November twenty nineteen, you know, smooth sailing. It's right. really it really could be smooth sailing for them. So that end of season sale that essentially is going to set them up with cash for, two, for 2020, right? Right. And, you know, success to basically hit the ground running for the new season, essentially, you know, they could be ahead of the game. Because that cash at the end of the year, you know, that, I mean, most people go and, you know, pay off credit cards and things like that right. because, you know, they want to, you know, start from zero, but we need to save it. Gotcha. The first quarter.
0: Okay, so just a minute, I want to make sure that gets we 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 sort of reiterate that, you know, we're going to put a bunch of cash in the bank in the last five weeks of the year. And if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying don't go pay back all of your debt. Hold on to some nope. of that cash so that you can fund, you know, the next season so that you can hit the ground running. If you go pay back all of your debt, your credit card and otherwise. You're in tight a cash position then as you are coming into November.
1: 110%.
0: Meaning you're no healthier. Okay, so let's just give me one tactic or strategy that a retailer can take or use today in their store to generate cash right now. What should they do? Um,
1: What should they do? So what they need to do is essentially assess all of their inventory that's 60 days or older, and they need to create a maintenance markdown strategy. Um, If there's a specific vendor that's, you know, standing out, if there's a specific class that's standing out, they can get creative and do promos, you know, on the class level, on the vendor level. Um, Or they could just simply announce, you know, a holiday preview sale. Um, but I think really, really, really focusing on that inventory that is essentially, you know, going to be in the end of season sale because they've still been receiving new goods, new goods drive sales. Right. Right. So they've got to, they really need to get on top of all of that to make sure that their stores are beautiful for the holidays.
0: Do you believe that two things drive sales? Markdowns? I mean, is there a salient customer out there? Is there a... Is there that customer out there that's looking for a deal right now and is gonna come and drop dollars as well as the customer that's looking at new goods?
1: I think the customers that are looking for deals are waiting. They're waiting. Like, I do think that they're waiting for the the big deal. Not to say that they, you know, that sometimes there isn't crossover between a full, full price customer and a sale customer. But what I find in most women's stores is that, you know, the sales stuff doesn't necessarily make them excited. You know, you right. look at a 30% off rack, a 50% off rack, and they're like, uh, eh, I've already seen this, you know? Or, right. you know, I, I would have bought that at full price almost if they really actually liked it. So, you know, or wanted it. So the goal really has to be along the way. That's why I'd be along the way. If they haven't done it along the way up until now, they've got a lot of work to do to basically prepare and try and actually sell that merchandise before Black Friday hits.
0: Okay. Okay. Good advice. Good advice. Okay. Oh, thanks, man. So let's talk about you. If you could meet anybody in the, in the world of retail, who, who do you want to meet? Who haven't you met that you want to have a, have a coffee or a, a glass of pink wine with? Oh,
1: you know I love the pink wine. <laughs> um, okay. So I thought about this, and... You know, I, I would actually love to meet Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because he, he's first on my list because what's fascinating to me about big retail, because I don't live in that world, right? is how can you build a company that is You know, and this individual is a billionaire when the company essentially doesn't profit. It's not profitable. And so along the way, what happens to even the retailers and, you know, or the wholesalers, the vendors that actually sell on Amazon, they get undercut because of whatever deals that they have to work out with Amazon and the fees and all of those things. But nobody really, at the end of the day, is winning. (laughs)
0: And so you want to have Um, that glass of wine with him and say, what, you know, what's the methodology?
1: What, what, how how does this, how does this make sense? You know, so, I mean, I know it makes sense for him. You know, I understand that it makes sense. You know, we, you know, we know of clients and things like that, that have actually, you know, had very large successes on Amazon, you know, in the way beginning of Amazon and all of those types of things, you know, so. You know, I get that there are huge, huge, huge successes for specific people, but fundamentally the, the company doesn't make any money. Now, is that on purpose, you know, to avoid, you know, paying Uncle Sam, um, you know, or, you know, really like what is his why?
0: Right. What is you his know, why? Yeah.
1: Than, yeah. Yeah. What is his why other than making it very easy? Because I mean, listen, I bought groceries yesterday on Amazon, so I understand. Right. Um, You know, the the ease of it. I mean, it just makes it easier for everyone. Um, I think the other person that I would want to meet. And again, I mean, it's big, it's big retail. um, But, you know, Steve Jobs and and the reason why with Steve Jobs is he was so innovative and really developed that customer experience. That, you know, is, is unlike any other.
0: You know, I think the example with jobs or, or, or even today, you know, their intention was never to actually, their why was never to sell anything. Sales became a consequence of the experience that they created. Yep. And I think if our retailers, you know, would take a step back and stop focusing so much energy on sales and, and refocus their energy on experience, sales would follow them. Sales would become consequential instead of this thing that stresses us out every day.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Because when when you sort of lay the the, you know the foundation of your business and really make it about of things other than sales, the sales actually, in my opinion, will come. Right. Because it's genuine. It's really, you know, you're coming from a place of not panic. You know, I mean, how many times do you hear, oh, I just need more traffic? (laughs) I I had, you know, I had, I had, my meeting started yesterday at six. I wasn't done till five, six a.m. till five. And I was pretty much on the phone all day. And every single person I was on the phone with yesterday said, traffic is really low. I said, well, how would you know that? Well, I can just tell. I said, well, are you tracking it? Right. No. And I said, well, then we're not, the discussion's off the table. Because we right. can't, we we don't even know. We don't know. There's no so, truth to that. You know, my
0: traffic is down unless you're counting it,
1: right? So you know, are did you did you have this one of the stores? Actually, this is a really cool idea. Actually, they had a wreath making party. So um, you know, like a, a mm-hmm. like a garden store or something brought in like all the you know pine stuff and ribbons and all that kind of stuff, and they laid out a huge table in the middle of the store. You know, and I'm like, you guys, like that right there is so cool, and you will reap the benefits of that, you know, whether it's five days from now or in two weeks from now, but that makes people excited, not your panic mode of, I just need more sales.
0: Yeah, yeah, right on. Margo, this has been a great, a great conversation. Give us one last, uh, one last hurrah one last word of wisdom or words of wisdom for those retailers that are listening to us today give us one thing that they need to do between now and and uh you know what you call the day after christmas i call boxing day what's something they've got to do
1: dan i'm gonna use that by the way (laughs) um uh you know just hard work pays off hard work pays off that hard work that you know, listen, This that was one of the biggest things that I didn't realize when I got into the world of retail when I was 23 years old. You know, it's not easy, um, but if you're diligent and you're smart and you ask questions and you talk to people and, you know, have coaches and, you know, really are accepting of advice and you right. know, just really in it for all the right reasons, it'll, it'll happen for you. And we're not curing cancer. So nothing really terrible could really go wrong. We can always, you know, make lemonade out mm-hmm. of rotten lemons. Right. So it's going to be okay. Yeah. It really is.
0: Good answer. Okay. And so if somebody does have questions, if somebody wants to hear more from Margot, how do they find you?
1: Well, I wish I could say I'd be on a beach drinking a lot of pink wine, but you can check out my website, theprojectretail.com. We're also on Instagram, but I am not very good at socializing um, (laughs) on Instagram. Uh, You can email me. You can call me. Awesome. Awesome. All
0: right, Margot. Thank you so much. So, Margot Kotman with the Project Retail, theprojectretail.com. dot uh, Super, super, awesome conversation, Margot. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: I hope I didn't disappoint all your <laughs> listeners. Thank you. All
0: right. Have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you so much.